Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta with you, and jumping on to talk about everything that's going on around college football, how it affects the ACC and Carolina, and we will also look at how the NCHSAA delaying their season until the spring will affect Tar Heel Commit. So as I mentioned, we'll jump right in here with uh, everything that's going on around college football. Coming up, college football and college hoops writer Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio host as well, uh, and uh, host of the Aaron Torres podcast. He's going to be on with us to talk about it. But wanted to talk a little bit about my opinion out of the gate here, as you guys may have seen on the Heel Tough blog posted the other night after uh, the We Want to Play hashtag sort of started trending. And... You know, this is this has been a fluid situation. I'm I'm going to be honest with you. You know, when you look at everything that's going on in college athletics, and and you know, it it really all comes down to liability. That's the biggest thing that I think everybody is is sort of been talking about here over the last couple of days. You know, who is who is held liable if these guys end up taking the field? You know, the players are really looking towards the university, hoping that they're going to find a way to help them out, have something in place for them if they end up having to play this season. While the universities are saying, look, we don't want to be held liable for this. Um, that's just too much on our plate. We don't want anything bad happening to any of these guys. And, you know, again, that's understandable as well. That You could see both sides of the argument. But, of course, everything was sort of set in motion. Uh, motions were sort of, uh, you know, put uh, at their peak here recently when the Big Ten decided to go ahead and cancel their season uh, for 2020. They are going to attempt to play in the in the spring of 2021 is what they are saying. Uh, Pac-12 also canceling their season, a little less optimistic, saying uh, they will look into trying to play spring football, but it seems very unlikely that they will. I think the biggest problem that a lot of people have with the Big Ten, and rightfully so, is when you look at what the Big Ten statement was, it was basically that they don't feel that it's safe for these guys to go and play competition 
you know, against each other um, in any any of the fall sports, not only just football, but especially football. Um, basically saying that, uh, basically saying that, you know, when you look at you know everything that's been going on with coronavirus. When you look at uh, some of the you know hard issues that we're now uh, saying could you know or, or looking at that could be associated uh, with this disease. That you know, hey, it's just way too much of a risk for these guys to go out there play games on Saturdays with guys that you know maybe you know could potentially end up having the coronavirus. The biggest problem for that you know with that for me is when you look at, you know, first of all, the statement made by Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez yesterday says that no games will be played, but that players will still go to class and they will still work out 20 hours a week. And you may be saying to yourself, well, doesn't that seem like it's healthier than going out there and and, and playing a contact sport like football? You know, on the surface, that makes plenty of sense. But then you have to realize that if you're playing a conference-only schedule, the Big Ten would make sure that they have plenty of testing, the right equipment in place to make sure that these guys are, you know, ready to go on game days, that nobody tests positive. If they do, they are not, you know, allowed on the field. They are sent home. And more than likely what would end up happening is that game would be canceled for that day, could be moved to a sometime later in the year, whatever. That's that's a possibility going forward. But they just don't take into account the fact that by going and letting these guys, you know, basically telling them, look, you still have to go to class. Our campus is open. You have to be here while you're working out. You also have to go to class. That's just part of it. Most of these students that are in these classrooms have not been tested or at all. We're, we're talking, you know, people that have never been tested before. I know my sister currently goes to Carolina. She has been tested. But that was only because there was a scare at one point that she could potentially have coronavirus. If not, most of her friends who are on campus, they have not been tested. It's not required. So you're going to have a lot of these students that are coming back. They haven't been tested recently. Most of them have never been tested for coronavirus. And they do not require that they get tested for coronavirus as of what we know. We, I mean, again, we're not, you know, being that, you know, I cover Tar Heel football and Tar Heel basketball, I'm not really quite as in-depth, you know, my knowledge isn't quite as in-depth on the Big Ten schools and their policies for this upcoming school year. That's not one of the things that I'm really as well-versed in. But from everything that I've seen, there are no specific testing protocols in place and definitely not at the same level that there is going to be for the athletes that are on campus. So in you know, my, my biggest question to Kevin Warren would be, how is it safe for these guys to go to class, go to workouts, do all this heavy lifting, which is still strenuous work on their bodies, which is another reason that you said that they shouldn't be out there playing a contact sport like football. It's way too strenuous. But then you turn around. Barry Alvarez, one of your athletic directors, probably one of your, I, I would say maybe your most respected one of your most respected, for sure, athletic directors in the conference says we're still going to have these guys sort of prepare as if there is going to be a season at some point. They're still going to go through workouts. They're still going to go through drills, all that kind of stuff. But it's not safe to play games. They also still have to go to class. 
makes absolutely no sense to me. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why right now so many people have problems with how the Big Ten handled everything. The other thing is is that the Big Ten just kind of went ahead and did this on their own. We've talked about how, you know, the Power Five conferences there, there were rumors, you know, there, there have been rumors for years now that the Power Five conferences could at one point look to separate from the rest of college athletics. And again, you can talk, you know, for for weeks on end about the, uh, you know, the, the positives and negatives of that, how it would affect other schools, you know, that are not part of the Power Five, how it would affect Power Five schools even. But look, when it comes down to it, you look at these these five conferences. They're supposed to be in line with each other. All these co- these conference commissioners are supposed to be able to communicate with each other, and that was ultimately what the thinking was from many of the other conferences. Was that we're going to come to a decision together? Let's talk this out, and we'll figure out what we're going to do. Big Ten kind of went out on their own, did their own thing. Pac-12 ended up following. And again, you know, when you when you compare the Pac-12 and Big Ten, it's completely different. Pac-12, just about every class uh, or every school out there, if not every school, has already said that they will go to virtual learning. And if they haven't said it, then they probably will. The, the out west right now, most of those schools taking the very conservative route. They're saying, look, we're doing all online classes. Guys are not allowed even in the football facilities in certain areas. It makes sense to say, okay, the Pac-12, let's shut it down, try again in the spring. Because everything that they're doing as a whole around their universities are showing that they are taking these cautious steps. The Big Ten is not. They're pretty much wanting to still have class, you know, continue somewhat normally with some decent, pro, you know, different protocols in place, very similar to how the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 schools are handling academics on their campus, but we're going to go ahead and cancel football, looking extremely hypocritical. Now, let's turn to the ACC and the SEC, uh, along with the Big 12 today, and really tell you what the effects for Carolina are at this point. As of right now, the ACC is saying that they are going off of the advice of Dr. Cameron Wolf, who was a uh, who is a medical um, official. He is part of the ACC Medical Advisory Group, actually the chair of the ACC Medical Advisory Group, and did his, you know went went to school at Duke. Uh, he's a guy that you know is very well respected in his career, um, and you know it, it is in line with what the SEC Medical Committee is saying at this point too which is that they believe a fall football season can be played safely as of right now. Now, they have said it's going to be expensive. It's going to take a lot of specific protocols in place that need to be followed to a T to make it happen. So again, it's still unlikely, but they are still saying that, look, there's a way for it to be played safely. We think that the environment that's being presented right now with all the testing that's in place for athletes, especially for football programs, probably gives these guys the safest environment that they could be in right now. We've heard that not only from medical professionals, that's a, that, that's the main opinion of a lot of the guys that are you know attempting to play college football this season. They've already said they feel extremely safe with their teams. We've heard it from plenty of Tar Heel guys that have said, look, you know, I, I I feel like, you know, Mac Brown and his staff are doing everything possible to make sure that it's safe for us to play. We feel like, you know, this is the probably the best, you know, 
area that we could be in right now. If we go home where there's not going to be this, this you know, extraneous testing where, you know, we're, we're going to have to do schoolwork, you know, at home where we might not be as motivated, that might not end up being the best environment for us. And, you know, I, I got to agree with that. I think that, you know, these guys staying on campus is probably what's best for them. You know, there were two guys that in specific, you know, sort of, talked about how safe they feel and 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 it made me kind of look and say you know what you know we, we need to at least consider the fact that we should push forward try to make this season happen um the first was was cornerback senior cornerback patrice renee and most people will say well patrice you know just wants to play a senior season uh you know after being injured a year ago he's really just looking out for his nfl future while that is part of it and to be fair, I don't think he should be criticized for that at all because, I mean, look, this is your livelihood. For, uh, for you know, guys and people like us, you know, we have our work that we're passionate about. I'm passionate about this podcast. I'm passionate about writing. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want anything to take that away from me. Patrice Renee wants to be able to come out and, you know, have a chance to prove himself to the NFL, prove that he's healthy, and be able to go on and, and have an NFL career at some point. Um, you know, as of right now, coming off a season where he had a torn ACL, there's no guarantee that that would happen. Would teams be willing to take a risk on a guy that is a wild card right now, that they don't know a whole lot about? That They'll say, look, the last time that we saw him really at 100% was back in 2018. He's a guy that needs this season. But the biggest thing for me is he's someone who has lost someone to COVID-19. He had an uncle pass away, as he told us earlier this offseason, on social media. That was something that was hard to put out there, but it's known now. And the thing is, he's been one of the biggest supporters of getting back on campus and playing. He says he feels safe in the environment. They're doing everything possible to make sure that these guys feel safe. The other guy that I think stood out the most to me was Bo Corrales, the wide receiver for the Tar Heels. Had a big year a year ago. And as we learned last year, is a type 1 diabetic. And we talked about this you know we've heard this from a lot of medical professionals people with prior conditions are at bigger risk including people with diabetes that's one of the top groups that is at risk for this Bo Corrales went on social media put out a post basically saying that look he understands the risk it makes you know he's not denying that there is going to be some risk there he feels like all the protocols that are in place and with the staff that he's with right now, he feels that there is a safe way to do it. He feels confident that he himself would take the field and play this season for Mac Brown and the Tar Heels because everything that they're doing is in the best interest of protecting players' health. And I, you know, again, they, you know, the players are, are kind of like us in terms of their knowledge of the meta, of, of you know what's going on medically. Now, there are some guys maybe that are in the medical field might have a little bit of a different opinion on it. Um, you know, they they're probably more justified in their opinions. But most of the most of the guys playing college football are not going to end up being medical professionals. That's usually just how it works out, and for the most part. They say, look, we, we want to find a way to play, but they just don't know. They're, you know. they're still willing to do everything possible to try to get on the field this year. Um, you know, When you talk about moving the season to the spring like the Big Ten and Pac-12 are doing, if the ACC ends up you know, considering that, I think the biggest question that most people are going to be asking, and rightfully so, is you know, is it really going to be safer 
by that point to have these guys come out and play football then. There's no guarantee. I mean, look, we've thought, you know, a couple, couple months ago, this, you know, would would be simmering down a little bit before we were going to get hit by the second wave here in the fall during the flu season. This second wave has come on a lot earlier. This is an unpredictable virus. There's still a lot of unknowns with it. And as of right now, it does not appear that there is any evidence showing that it will be safer in the spring. We'll probably be in a very similar situation. And at that point, what ends up changing? The liability issues will probably still be on the table. You would think, unless they're you know willing to start meeting about this, trying to find ways to resolve that. If they're not, we're going to be in the same spot. And ultimately that probably means that there won't be a college football season this year. Now, some people have said, well, look, you know, safety before, um, you know, financial, you know, decisions and, and, and same thing with, you know, these guys trying to, you know, continue their college football and, you know, just football careers in general for the guys that are potentially looking at having to lose their final year of eligibility and go on to the NFL. I think, you know, look, I, I you know, I want to make this very clear on the podcast. When I come out and say that I want to, you know, I, I, I want to find a way and do everything possible to have a college football season, that does not mean that I do not want these guys to stay safe. First and foremost is health and safety. If they cannot find a way to play this season safely, if the medical professionals tell you, look, there's just no safe way that this can happen, which is still possible. They, they are still doing some investigating into it now. They say as of right now that it's safe, but as they learn more things, especially about you know the, the heart problems that we've been hearing over the past couple of days, that opinion might change. And guess what? If it does, and these guys say, look, it's just not safe, there's no way you can play. You do not want to put these guys' lives at risk. That is the first thing that you should be worried about. Living is more important than sports. It's just, if you can't agree with that, then I kindly t- tell you that you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast because we don't value the sports more than human life. I love sports. It's my life pretty much 365 days a year. This is what I do. I've been you know doing this for about five years now, covering the Tar Heels, and I've been a sports fan my entire life. But when it comes down to it, the safety is what comes first. But as of right now, they're they're telling us that there is a safe way to go about it. So you want to see them try to do everything possible to help them, help these guys continue their careers. Help these guys potentially have NFL careers going forward. Some of the guys that would potentially be taking the field that are right on the borderline of potentially becoming pro prospects next year, if they don't end up taking the field, could be left in the dust. Could end up having to drop their football careers because, well, they didn't get a chance to play because, hey, some, you know, people were saying it was safe, but we just, you know, didn't want to take any risk at all. Ultimately, you know, again, as I mentioned, I'll wrap it up with this before we go to Aaron Torres. It comes down to liability. Can they find a way to, you know, either have the players waive the liability of the conference? Allow them to, you know, if if they play, it's their risk that they're taking? Or uh, does the conference find a way to try to help these guys out if they sustain long-term effects from COVID-19? If they cannot get the liability issue figured out, it's going to be extremely hard to see a way that this season will be played. 
But now we turn to college football writer, uh, Fox Sports radio host, and host of the Aaron Torres podcast, Aaron Torres, who stopped by to talk with us, uh, who stopped by to talk to us uh, about everything that is going on in college football, and we welcome him in right now. Aaron Torres, college football and college hoops writer, Fox Sports radio host, and host of the Aaron Torres podcast. And Aaron, uh, how's it been going, man? I know we are living in a crazy time in terms of college athletics. Uh, I know it's been just a hectic week for you, but uh, hey, it has worked out for you. I saw that uh, you guys have had a very successful week for your podcast, so uh, how's everything been going? good man it's good everything's good it's obviously been a busy week uh in many ways anthony it's been a real surreal week um you know and and, and as you want to record here we're recording uh it, it largely doesn't seem real uh but uh ohio state has put out a stick basically turn their attention to playing spring football and uh, you know, I, I, I guess maybe I, I've calmed down a little bit since this official decision went happened on Tuesday. But yeah, man, it's it's crazy, and I really don't know what else to say, man. I just I just can't believe that we're at this point. Well, I mean, look, we felt like you were one of the best guys that could come on and kind of help us explain maybe, you know, some of the stuff that's that's kind of going on behind the scenes and, and, and why such a strong reaction because, you know, while you're around the sport and you cover the sport, you're also a fan of the sport. So there is some, you know, some reasons to be a little bit angry. And I think one of the main things, that, and I know that you'll probably be able to speak to this and have been speaking on it for a while now, is that, you know, the thing that angers me the most about these people that want to say, you know, well, this you know season should be canceled what are we waiting for you know this is all about player safety is that they want to point at us the college football writers the college football fans you know the guys that do podcasts like us and say all you guys care about is college football itself you just want to see these guys out there for your entertainment and that's all you're worried about do people not understand that you can want both things? You understand that if the season has to be canceled, then it does. But if there's a way that it can be played safely, then we, we want to see it because, yeah, you know, we, we do want to see college football and, and we want to see these guys on the field and advancing their careers, you know, this year as, as opposed to having to take it off. Is, is that kind of how you feel as well? Yeah, yeah, I mean, a couple things. You know, one, it's funny when people say, oh, you you only care because you'll be out of a job. You know, I've been in the media for about 10, 11 years now. Real talk, Anthony, I've been laid off before through no fault of my own. Right. Um, you know, uh, numbers were good. I was one of the most productive people. And then I was at FoxSports.com, and they just shut down the whole website. And so, you know, I'm a chameleon. I'll adapt. I'll figure out a way. I'm not worried about myself. Um, but I am worried about the, the ramifications, right? And as you kind of said, what I really thought about was the fact, you know, the way that you set up the question is really a conversation about really the discourse that we've had on this virus since March. And, you know, I think like everybody else, I tried to, you know, be patient and educate myself and, and do uh, as much research as I can. And certainly, look, when you're on a national radio show, 400 stations nationwide like I am on Fox, you know, you, you have to do your homework because when you're talking about the coronavirus, uh, in my case, a couple times a week on the radio, you, you better know what you're talking about. And so I bring it up to say that, that that has been the discourse on this conversation from the beginning is is that 
Uh, if you're if you're in favor of opening up the country, it means you're in favor of everyone dying, right? And so, obviously, if you're in favor of college football, you want to see a bunch of kids drop dead on the field. And, like, independent of the fact that we have no medical data that reflects that that's going to happen, um, we don't talk about what the ramifications are of no football. The ramifications of some of these campuses are closed and kids are going to be sent home. Now, some of the Big Ten campuses are staying open and kids will be able to use the facility. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the mental health of the, the players that are sent, physical health, you know, the players that are going to be sent home with grandma and grandpa, the players that are from low-income houses, and I've talked to coaches that, um, you know, they have players that live in a, a two-bedroom apartment with six, seven, eight other people, and is it safe for them there? And so, you know, we can get into a bunch of different layers of this, Anthony, but, right. uh, you know, the, the bottom line is this doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. It doesn't have to be if you want football to be played you want all of society to be open and you want people to drop dead in the streets, but we also do have to talk about the long-term ramifications for the players, for the athletic departments, for the college towns, all the things that are going to be impacted by not playing football this fall. Yeah, I think that's one of the other big things that people really want to sort of turn into a political issue is when we want to talk about the fact that if there is no football played, it's inevitable that there are going to be major cuts to some of these universities. And my biggest question for a lot of these universities is, well, if you're going to cut, you know, these sports like field hockey, uh, sports like soccer, stuff like that, what are you going to do with the kids that are there? Are you going to honor their academic scholarships that some of them may be on? What happens to the kids that aren't on those academic scholarships? You're just going to tell them, well, you're out of luck, time to move on, find somewhere else to go to college because we only wanted you for sports. That is a horrible look. I mean, maybe that's just my opinion, but I don't think that really gives the the right message um, that they should be sending. And I, I think you're definitely right about that. You know, one thing that I found really interesting about the Big Ten's response, particularly Barry Alvarez's response, was how he says that they aren't it isn't safe enough to play games but they're still going to have players on campus with students that are not going to be tested the way that football players are going to be tested or frankly just people around the athletic department are going to be tested and they're still going to be going through workouts he said that part of the reason why they were concerned was because of you know the strenuous uh, you know the, the strenuous workouts and stuff like that that games actually end up becoming meanwhile we're going to let these guys go in do heavy lifting all these other sorts of drills throughout the year um, you know, to me, that just seemed a little, it, it's very inconsistent. It makes, you know, it doesn't seem like he really thought that out. Was that kind of your response to that as well? Yeah, and that's been pretty much my response. Even since Sunday when this conversation really perked up that they were really seriously looking to go down this road, uh, is that if the logic behind it made sense, I'd be okay. You know, the analogy that I keep using is, when the NCAA tournament was canceled, I was in Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament when I found out that the NCAA tournament was canceled. Um, when that happened, we were all disappointed. But the logic behind it made sense. It was a new virus. We didn't know anything about it. We didn't know how it got transmitted. We, you know, There was just no data to go off of that made it safe to send college kids all over the country to play basketball, uh, hop on multiple flights, multiple hotel rooms, all that kind of stuff, three cities in three weekends. You know, I had no problem with that. 
the problem that I have with the Big Ten is that their logic behind canceling the season makes no sense. And it's exactly what you just said, Anthony, is that, is that um, you know, is it, it, they're saying that it's safer, that it's not safe for the players to play. But as you said, and I'll just give people the stat that don't know, 13 of the 14 Big Ten campuses uh, in some way, shape, or form are having in-person classes this fall. Now, it varies by campus. You know, Iowa, I think it was, doesn't have more than 49 students in a classroom. So if it's a 50-plus person class, it's all remote. Some campuses are 50-50. But I bring all this up to say that, um, you know, you take in that consideration that 13 of these 14 campuses have students. You take in the fact that we're now going to ask to play a spring football season on top of the fact that they want to return in the fall of 2021. And I still haven't seen anything that explains why it's going to be safer in the spring as opposed to now. Mm -hmm. None of it makes any sense at all on top of the fact that, as you said, uh, a football player isn't Johnny walking around campus, you know, working at the campus bookstore. It's a completely different deal. So that is kind of my, I guess my boilerplate answer to that is if the logic behind canceling the season made sense, I'd be okay with it. The logic doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, and we'll see in the coming weeks if the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 can pull this off. Well, yeah, and I think the, the the thing that when you look at all of the plans and how everybody's going about it, the Pac-12, it makes sense because they're not having any in-person classes. So that makes a ton of sense. But for the Big Ten, yeah, we're just going to act like we're going to go about everything on campus academically like things are relatively normal. You, you mentioned some campuses have some restrictions, but we're still going to let these guys go and work out. We're basically going to tell these guys, look, you've got to do all the tough parts to becoming a college athlete, but you're not going to get to reap the rewards of playing in games, having scouts see you, stuff like that. I just don't get it. Um, you, you mentioned it, the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 kind of soldiering on. Um, you know, First, I want to look at, you know, do you think that there is an actual chance that there could be a season that happens? Because as we've seen, you know, all of the teams, uh, you know, all of the schools uh, have agreed to go uh, with regional uh, schedules. You know, nobody's really traveling that far. It seems like they're doing their part to try to make this thing happen. Do you think that there is any chance that we see this, or is this really just a delay of the inevitable? Um, I, I don't. I, I believe that all three Power Five conferences are pressing on trying to figure out a way. Um, I never I have once said, I don't think since this thing really ramped up, that we're definitively going to get football or even necessarily that we should get football. But what I think the SEC, Big 12, and ACC are doing is doing what the Big 10 should have done. Use common logic. And and I don't know if you saw this today, Anthony, but the Big 12, even in the last 24 hours, has put in new uh, protocols about uh, heart screenings and testing of the heart and things of that nature. Um, And what that says is they're really taking this new information seriously Uh, And they're really doing everything that they can to make sure that their student athletes are safe. And so, you know, I think that's where most people's issue with the Big Ten was. And I'm so glad, by the way, Anthony, that you brought up the point about the Pac-12. I live in Pac-12 country. A bunch of these campuses are open to students. A bunch of the schools in California can't even get into their facility to work out. So it is a different deal in the Pac-12. But... In the Big Ten, there were so many steps that could have been made. You know, the Big 12 just pushed back their schedule to uh, to um, 
to September 26th start date. Um, they, you know, you could have stayed outside of pads. You could have waited until students came back to campus. There were so many steps that you could take before you had to just outright cancel the season. It made no sense then, 24, 36 hours later, whatever it's been, it still makes no sense. I mean, it's just embarrassing and awful, the decision that was made, and it remains embarrassing and awful all these hours later. And Kevin Warren's making, you know, some enemies out of the rest of these guys throughout the country. I mean, again, I can't really speak, you know, for anyone outside of the ACC, um, you know, because pretty much my timeline is ACC filled. But everybody that I've seen really was pretty ill about the way that he went about it. And one of the reasons why that's very concerning is because, you know, there had been this idea here over the last couple of years that the Power Five could kind of separate itself from the lower, you know, uh, non-group of five teams and the FCS and stuff like that and kind of make it into their own entity. Does this really hurt the chances that we could see that anytime soon? Because from my perspective, I think it, it, it really puts a, a damper on those hopes. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I see both sides to that argument. Um, you know, what I would kind of say to it is, is that part of it does make sense to me. Obviously, look, we see the disparity financially in the group, uh, in the Power Five, um, and the reason for people listening that might not know that, um, you know, the Mountain West and the uh, the MAC and my alma mater, UConn, have canceled their season is because they simply can't afford to do all that testing, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, there's already a financial disparity, but, you know, I don't know. You know, to me, I don't, I don't, you know, these, these schools are making so much money hand over fist, and we'll see what happens after this year when they lose all the money that they're about to lose, but, you know, they make this money hand over fist. The system is rigged in their favor, specifically in football. Uh, the financial advantage they have over everyone else in every other sport is important. And so I've never understood the, the need. Um, and, and I think to your point, I think even within the Power Five, there's starting to be a little bit of a separation in terms of the SEC and, yes, the Big Ten, as bad of a week as it was for them financially when they're on the field, you know, they're making money that the ACC um, and that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 simply aren't making. And so, again, I live in Pac-12 country, and, and you know, I, I know people that work at these schools, that work on these basketball staffs, that work on these football staffs. They don't like being a punching bag, but they also know, you know, when they go on the road recruiting that they're at a disadvantage when they're recruiting against certain schools. So this is a long-winded answer of me saying I have no idea. Right. But I, I do think I, I do think that... You know, to go forward with the Power Five implies that all five are equal, and I don't necessarily think that's the case at all. So I think the biggest thing when it comes to, you know, spring football, you mentioned it earlier, how can you guarantee that it's going to be safer? Is this really just a way of the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and, and maybe if we see, you know, these other conferences end up canceling, it's going to come down to they are worried about liability. Is, is that where this seems to be going? Because in my mind, I feel like that's the biggest concern of all of these conference commissioners. Well, that's the only, that's the only answer, right? Because, right. <laughs> I mean, as we discussed earlier, none of the actual logic that they're giving out makes any sense. And mm -hmm. so, to me, yeah, I do think it's about liability. Um, and I, I, I'm just, listen, what I'll say is really quickly this, Anthony. I'm just curious what happens 
if the ACC, SEC, and Big uh, Big Twelve do can pull this off, I don't know if they will. I don't know if they're going to run into health issues. I don't know if they're going to run into liability issues. But I do wonder what happens if they pull this off because I, I don't see. I know it's easy to say now. How can you get your guys if you're Ohio State? fired up to play a spring season when they're about to start practice at the same time, say, Alabama and Clemson are competing for a national championship, and you're in Ohio State knowing you could have played with either one of those teams, right? Um, you know, at whatever. So, so on the one hand, I'm very curious to see what happens if the SEC, ACC, Big 12 cannot pull it off. I would follow up by saying this. I'm equally as interested in what's going to happen if those schools, if those conferences cannot pull it off and we cancel football for the fall. Because to me, you know, everybody keeps asking me about basketball and is there any way these conferences could pull off a bubble? And what I keep saying is, the you could be in a bubble, but the liability issues don't change. And so I don't see the scenario where everyone keeps saying, you know, I see, and, and there's a lot of college basketball writers that I know and I like and I respect, but I keep saying that seeing this, they better plan for a bubble and figure out a bubble. And it's like the bubble doesn't change liability issues. And so what I've been pretty consistent saying is I do not believe that until we get – um, until we get a football game on the field, I do not believe that we'll have basketball unless they start concurrently in January. Could I see a scenario where basketball starts a week or two earlier than football? Maybe in theory. But I bring it up to say um, if we can't get SEC football on, on the field in the fall, I just don't see the explanation or the logic to getting basketball without football. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see for really this entire uh, I guess you would call it college athletics ecosystem that we all love so much. Well, I think the the last thing I'll ask you, and then we'll get you out of here. You know, when you talk about you know this this scenario, I think at this point you, you kind of have to address the we want to play group that's out there. Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields, a lot of the guys have addressed that, and they've said, well, "Look, they, they, I don't know. They didn't they didn't really address them this week when they just squashed them by canceling the season." So, but continue. Right, but but I'm saying in terms of like you know us in the college football media, we we have to at least address it that you know they potentially are you know doing everything they possibly can to try to get on the field I think you're probably right ultimately it's not gonna matter but I, do you see any scenario where these guys are, are saying look we'll do anything to play where they will they, they'll sign waivers or something waiving you know any liability for these conferences I would hope not from their perspective because look if these schools are are, are going to send you out there even if you want to go out there they need to have some some sort of help for you if something was to happen on the field or while you're participating this season and you come down with COVID and have some long-term effects. But do you think that it could ever get to that point where guys are just that desperate to get on the field that they'll say, look, we'll do anything? Well, I actually do disagree with you on that because the way that I look at the liability conversation is that I think that we live in a, a liability world where um, I think that if we, uh, you know, if you, whenever we open these stadiums, right, whenever you go to your next concert, whether you implicitly know it or not, when you buy a ticket, there's going to be some liability language on the back of the ticket that says if you catch COVID, you can't blame the Staples Center or the Dean Dome or whatever. If we get 50% capacity in North Carolina basketball games, whether you know it or not, there's going to be something on your ticket that says that. So to me, I always thought 
thought the liability ask was kind of dumb because we live in a, in a liability world and this is the world that we live in. Um, but I don't think it matters. You know, I, I listen, I, 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 when somebody as powerful as Ryan Day or somebody as powerful as uh, Scott Frost comes out and says, we want to play, and the Big Ten commissioner basically says, you try to play, you're not welcome in the, in the Big Ten. Um, you know, I, I don't think that happens. So I don't know that that matters, but I don't think that we should just, you know, I, I, I'll say this, I don't know that we should give the players a complete pass on this either because I do think that the liability thing um, that, you know, we all, you know, patted them on the back for how courageous they were for standing up for their rights and stuff the other week. That's a part of the reason that we're not having this season right now. I don't think it's a coincidence that the two conferences that really came out vocal in this process, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, are the two that have conference, uh, canceled their conference season so far. So, anyway, man, I, I'm going a lot of different directions, but mm-hmm. um, I, I really don't. You know, it seems as though the Big Ten has put aside the possibility of a fall season. Mm-hmm. I think I speak for you, my man, and I think I speak for a lot of people when I say I don't agree. I think it's kind of dumb. Right. But it doesn't really matter what my opinion is. And like I said, I'm just fascinated to see that next wave and that next window of if we do somehow get football on the field in the SEC, ACC, and Big 12, what happens to the Big Ten? Because I'm telling you this right now. I think there's a couple school presidents that will not survive that, and I think the Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren, will not survive that if the other three leagues safely pull off that sport. I think it's going to be uh, an incredible, incredible story to watch here over the next, I don't know, whatever, 12 to 16 months. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, and, you know, it'll go back to the fact that, you know, these groups, you know, these conferences don't have, you know, one person that's kind of overseeing it from a medical standpoint and, and, and kind of advising them all. Or, I mean, it, we're not even seeing these medical groups communicate with each other. I mean, we've got a guy in Cameron Wolf in the ACC saying, yeah, it's safe to play. Go ahead. You know, we're going to try to push forward. Meanwhile, the Big Ten task force that they put together saying, no chance. There's no way you can go about this because we've seen stuff and I think the biggest thing that everybody is saying is show us what you're talking about explain this to each other so that you can sort of make a decision together because how does it make sense that there's information that both of you guys have that the other one doesn't and we're like well we're going to keep it to ourselves that makes absolutely no sense that's just the dumbest thing ever but this is college football right now unfortunately it's it's starting to look like a political landscape and I absolutely hate it because this is a sport that I love uh, and unfortunately I, I think it's falling into that sort of category now where everybody says you got to pick a side. There's no down the middle. And uh, it, it really stinks because I feel like on this, there really is a middle ground. There's got to be a middle ground because that's the only way that you can get things done. But uh, hey, Aaron, well, man. Real, yeah, go ahead. Really quick, Anthony, and um, I got to run is that um, you say there's no middle ground. I disagree. I think the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 are in the middle ground right now. And that middle ground is. We still have time. We're not kicking off our season for another six weeks. Let's see. Let's take some added practices. You know, I, I think there is a middle ground, and I give so much credit for those conferences to not buckle in this current situation and to just just give it time. You know, do what you said you were going to do when you push back the schedule to September 26th, which is wait as long as possible to gather as much information as possible and take it from there. 
All right, Aaron Torres, college football, college hoops writer, also Fox Sports Radio host and host of the Aaron Torres podcast. Make sure you guys check that out. Hey, Aaron, thanks for your time, man. I know it's been a cramped schedule for you, but uh, thanks for stopping by with us and best of luck going forward. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk to you sometime down the line about some actual college football happening on the field, and it won't quite be this political landscape that it's turned into now. Nothing would make me happier than that, my man. I appreciate you having me. All right, man. Take care. So we want to thank Aaron for stopping by with us. Of course, uh, great job that he does there at Fox Sports. Uh, Great podcast, uh, Aaron Torres podcast. Make sure you guys go and check that out uh, if you get the time to. Uh, And we wrap up by talking to you about the NCHSAA's decision to delay their season until the spring Uh, of this year. That decision came down today, and there was some quick reaction from guys that are currently committed to Carolina. Javari Ritzy, Dontavious Nash, Keyshawn Silver, and Raniere Dilworth all confirmed that they will not be taking part in their senior seasons in the state of North Carolina at the least, and that they will early enroll. Uh, Not sure if any of these guys are going to be looking to go down to the state of South Carolina. Now, one of the guys that was confirmed by Rivals.com's Adam Friedman, Kobe Paysauer, he is going to early enroll. And we saw a couple of weeks ago that he did say he could potentially be looking to play his senior season down in South Carolina. I think that's still an option for some of these guys. You wonder, you know, one scenario that that's very interesting is Myrtle Beach High School, where they currently have a Tar Heel commit on the roster in J.J. Jones. Would that be an area that guys would look to go to? Would there be a way that they can you know, find housing for these guys down in that area? That could be something that we see develop over these next couple of weeks. Of course, uh, I talked to uh, wide receiver Gavin Blackwell on, my, on one our other show that we do at work, QC Preps, which covers the Charlotte area uh, and surrounding in terms of high school football. Talked to him, and uh, he told us last week that he is going to early enroll at Carolina, so it looks like his senior season will not take place in the state of North Carolina either unless his decision was to change. Um, Now, the one guy that it looks like will end up staying uh, and will play through, uh, he will probably end up playing his senior season uh, at Myers Park High School in the spring is quarterback Drake May, uh, and that is mainly due to the fact that he does want to play his senior year of high school basketball, which would mean that he wouldn't have been able to early enroll even if it was a normal year, if he wanted to play his final season of basketball, that extends into uh, well into uh, the second semester. Uh, so, unfortunately, he would not have been an early enrollee. Looks like he's going to stick with that decision as of right now, that he's going to try to play his senior season of high school basketball, which will then allow him to play his senior season of high school football. Of course, we'll have coverage for you on all of the guys and their potential decisions coming up, but um, as of right now, a lot of guys in the state of North Carolina, very talented players, uh, including a ton of Tar Heel commits will not be playing their senior seasons due to the NCHSAA moving the season to the spring. One last piece of news before we get out of here. This just breaking a couple of minutes ago. The NCAA has announced that any players that opt out of the 2020-21 season will receive an extra year of eligibility. That is huge for the Tar Heel players that have already said they will not play this season. Of course, last week, uh, towards the end of the week, we found out that safety DJ 
Ford, cornerback Bryce Watts, and safety Javon Terry were all sitting out this year. This is a big break for them as now they will retain the eligibility, meaning that Ford will be a senior for the team next year if he wants to return. Bryce Watts would still be a junior. Of course, he had to sit out last year after transferring from Virginia Tech. And then Javon Terry would remain a sophomore. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Aaron Torres for stopping by during his busy schedule, giving us a little bit of insight on everything that's going on around college football. Hopefully you guys learned a little bit. Um, you know, in terms of whether there's going to be a chance that college football has played this season again. At this point, it seems like it's still probably unlikely, but we're trying to keep the optimism up. I mean, at this point, you know, there's really nothing else that we can do but just try to be optimistic that we're going to see this season happen. Um, you know, as of right now, there's still a chance that we could see it happen, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll have coverage for all for you uh, on all of that on the Heel Tough blog website, HeelToughBlog.com. You guys can go check that out now. Uh, we have takeaways from Mac Brown's press conference yesterday where he talked a little bit about the national landscape right now as well as also touched on some stuff that he's seeing in camp. As of right now, uh, to this point, none of uh, n- none of the media members have been able to go inside of practice and you know sort of make their own observations. So everything that we're hearing from the coaching staff is what we're rolling with for right now. He had some great notes on uh, some key guys that have really uh, had pretty had pretty good starts to uh, fall camp, including uh, guys like Tyrone Hopper, uh, as well as, uh, who else was in there? Ray Voasik was in there, uh, Tamari Fox. Really, really good stuff from Mac Brown yesterday, so uh, make sure you guys go uh, and check that out on the website. Of course, there's some other great articles up there as well. As I said, you've got uh, my opinionated article that you guys can go back and read. I went a little more in-depth tonight than I did in that article, but if you guys want to go read that, that's on the website as well. Plenty other football coverage, uh, even on the recruiting trail. We go back to when uh, Jared Wilson decommitted. We tell you about where Carolina can go uh, going forward, and we'll have all sorts of updates for you coming up as we go uh, throughout these next couple of weeks uh, on the recruiting trail as well if anything ends up breaking there so uh, also before we get out of here want to tell you guys to go wherever you listen to your podcast rate review and subscribe to the podcast the rating and reviewing helps us move up some of those rankings allows people to find the podcast more easily that haven't found it yet so help those people out help them find all this great content Uh, and then the subscribe well that's for you so that you guys don't miss an episode of the podcast Uh, we got so many great episodes coming up as of right now we're still in preseason mode so uh, there'll be talk about what this team's going to look like we're going to try to uh, you know give you keep you guys positive uh, hopefully move towards a season that's uh, as of right now as of today uh, would be exactly one month away Carolina scheduled to play Syracuse at home on September 12th. Uh, we'll lead you up to that day if it actually ends up happening. So, uh, once again, want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the podcast. And as always, go Tar Heels!